0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardill, Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto.
1: My friends, welcome to a new month. Um. From a market perspective, from an investment perspective, uh, I'm equally happy to put the month of July to bed. However, perhaps there has been a change of tone. Uh, It's been just an incredible end to the month uh, with both interest rates and market moves. Uh, I'm delighted to have our next guest be announced, Mr. Miles Zyblock. Uh, He's with Dynamic Funds. Uh, He's a chief investment strategist. Uh, He works very closely with uh, the various portfolio management team uh, at Dynamic, uh, giving them a global perspective uh, on uh, the world of high financial, i say. Of course, uh, I met Miles uh, way back when, uh, when he was in the same role at a large Canadian financial institution. I love how we, Miles, don't want to mention where we work, maybe a large <laughs> Canadian financial, uh, that's, that's classic. I, mean, I guess, well, Why give them another brand plug, right? Why? Right. No yeah. need, no, no, let them buy it. Let them buy their marketing. I'm not going to support that at all. Uh, there's only six banks to choose from, my friend. But, the, you know, it's, it's great. The independent world, uh, the, the, the non bank world, is it, a bit of a different place, you, you, you must admit.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, well, thank you for having me on. It's been great. It's great to be here. And, uh, Like you say, I mean, um, you know, Canada is a a small a small place with a with a few banks and uh, no one wants to help anyone else out. So it was a, a large Canadian financial institution indeed.
1: Indeed it was. Well, uh, that's where I had the privilege of meeting you and, uh, and watching you present live uh, to, to some very sophisticated investors. I don't know how they let me in the room. Um, but it, it was a fantastic presentation. And, and, and it resonates with me today, Miles. Uh, so it's just wonderful how we can continue to uh, maintain a relationship. But no better time than the president think, to, to um, dive deep into your theses. Uh, Absolutely incredible year that we have been embracing. Uh, Talk of a recession uh, of of epic proportions, I must say. You know, never in my career on Bay Street have I witnessed uh, such an aggressive interest rate hike uh, and perhaps the end of what has been a 40-year trend of lower interest rates, which means cheaper money, which also means higher asset prices. So I'm going to throw that all on the table. Um, First of all, with the market itself, some good technical action that we we have witnessed this week, Uh, the 10-year bond yield, friends, interest rates are priced from one day to 30 years, and the bond market is bigger than the stock market. The bond market is quite intelligent, collectively speaking. 10-year interest rates in the bond market have actually fallen. Is that a signal that the central banks have inflation sort of under control, and in fact, there is a chance for some rate relief in the distant future, Miles?
2: Well, you know, that, that, that's a great point. The, the bond market or bond yields both, uh, let's just talk about the 10-year bond yield. That's sort of what everyone talks about. And, you know, the 10-year bond yield in the U.S. and in Canada, in fact, since about June, has fallen from somewhere around 3.5% uh, to closer to 2.65%. So that's a, that's a pretty, you know, a pretty dramatic move in a short period of time. And I, I think, you know, part of that, is yes, uh, fixed income markets are saying that, you know, long-term inflation risks, um, because we're talking about a 10-year bond, long-term inflation risks have maybe moderated. So I think that is part of the story for sure. And uh, at the same time, I also think that the bond market collectively uh, is getting a little bit more concerned about economic activity or the slowing, the pace of slowing in economic activity. And, you know, there... It makes sense to expect some slowing, of course, because, as you rightly said, central banks have been raising interest rates at a fairly rapid clip. And, in fact, uh, since the start of this uh, interest rate cycle, both in the U.S. and Canada, this is effectively the fastest rate of increase. I mean – central bank rates are still low, but it's the fastest rate of increase we've seen since probably the early 1980s. So you'd expect that to slow down economic activity. So I think it's the combination of perhaps the bond market thinking, you know, that the central banks can get this inflation under control, plus the fact that we now have concerns about economic growth, at least, you know, over the next several quarters. And both of those are putting up bond prices, putting down uh, bond yields.
1: So uh, Rick Santilli, he's on CNBC, and uh, he spoke, I guess, immediately after the Fed announcement yesterday. So again, friends at home, uh, on uh, Wednesday, the U.S. Central Bank raised interest rates, again, by three quarters of a percentage point. Uh, Yet you didn't see the, the follow through in the bond market was, in fact, Interest rates fell. We spoke with that with Miles. But Rick Santilli, his belief and he's been you know working on Wall Street for 50 years as a commentator, I, I must preface that, not as a practitioner which Jack and I and Miles are. We practice with real money. We don't just go on television and talk about it. Uh, we actually do and teach at the same time, correct? Absolutely correct, yes. Yeah. So well, what he, was Rick he, saying? No, no, but his point is he thinks the bond market has it wrong. He thinks the bond market is what's considered on wall street a no-no where the bond market's fighting the fed not listening to the words the fed doing the opposite of the fed and he says the hedge fund community that's actually shorting the bond market so following the fed's lead although in the short term they're wrong will be proven correct so my question to you miles and because jack and i had a good debate in our office this morning about this and we're both on site is the bond market correct
2: or incorrect with lowering the 10-year yield well, I, I would say that the bond market is is likely to be correct in the sense that you know over the next let's call it nine. I can't talk to you about the next ten or fifteen years, uh, but over the next nine to twelve months, I think the risks are to uh, are, are for lower inflation, and you know part of that is now think about this when you know Chairman Powell of the Federal Reserve recently spoke. One of his biggest concerns. Uh, you know obviously inflation, but what what 's feeding this inflation problem we see you know all over the world is is food and energy prices in particular energy prices and and so in in a sense, I think he 's going to raise rates uh uh until perhaps he breaks the back of of these commodity prices and we're already seeing that in many of these commodity prices now where copper's down a lot wheat is down a lot you know oils it, it peaked at about 120 120 per barrel and now it's down just under 100. Uh, so commodity prices are starting to react and 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 you know they're, they're, at, at the same time The demand side of the economy is slowing uh, rather dramatically. You're seeing it in housing markets around the world. And I think all of this is feeding, at least into the near term, uh, um, uh, it's feeding into lower inflation risks. Now, does that mean, you know, right now, let's just put this in context. Right now, uh, you know, the the CPI or the inflation index in Canada is – you know, telling us that inflation is about 8.1 percent, it's 9.1 percent in the U.S. These are the highest levels we've seen in probably 40 years. And, and so I'm not I'm not saying, you know, we're going back to 2 percent quickly. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the, the the sense here is that we could potentially see a rather dramatic lo- shift lower in inflation over the next 12 months. And, and that might largely be on the back uh, of commodity prices going lower uh and also the fact that you know we're hearing things like you know uh the s- supply chains are starting to loosen up i mean there's a lot of semiconductor companies out there where there was a big issue about uh you know semiconductor chip shortages now now they're talking about gluts
1: so you're yeah, out of you know, china
2: you are correct yeah so we're seeing some gluts appear in in categories that were previously there were shortages and and you know uh, we recently heard it from Walmart's earnings report that, you know, they have an inventory problem. Uh, as everyone's spending money, you know, on, on food and, and on, on, you know, filling up their tanks, their their gas tanks, they don't have as much money left over for, for other categories or discretionary purchases. And that's creating a lot of inventory, in play, you know, in, in big companies, big retailers like Walmart and Target. And they're having to now announce discounting. To clear that inventory. So again, that's that's disinflationary or deflationary. So yeah. you know, it's it's starting now. It seems like there, there are some wheels in motion to get this inflation rate lower. But I, I worry that you know the Federal Reserve, the Bank of Canada, the EC, the European Central Bank are so focused on the inflation number itself. And remember, inflation is the last to turn in a business cycle. It's what's called what economists call a lagging indicator. So. I just worry that they're focused on getting, you know, watching this inflation number and continuing to raise rates, and everything else around it is falling, you know, falling out of bed. Uh, whether it's the housing market, auto sales, all these interest sensitive, and then all of a sudden, yeah, well, inflation, inflation is rolling over, but you know that, but but we have, you know, we have we have an economic problem now we have to deal with, and that's that's sort of what I'm worried about. A little bit more is that, you know, central banks are very focused today on these lagging indicators, more so than I've ever seen uh, in my career in my 28 years. So that's something to to keep in mind.
1: Well, yeah, and I would take that to the next derivative. Uh, Are they setting themselves up for creating a policy error? In other words, what they do could, in fact, be the wrong thing to do
2: uh, in aggregate. Well, I I think that, you know, we'll only know that with the benefit of hindsight. Obviously, they don't think they are creating a policy error. They aren't trying to create a recession per se. Uh, But that could be, you know, uh, the second round effects from from focusing so much on inflation. They don't seem to. Well, here's here's my my thought is that, you know, when you're hearing these central banks, whether it's in Canada or the U.S. talk, um, they're seeming to take the risk of a. they're seeming to, you know, they're They're more comfortable taking the risk of an economic recession uh, in order to avoid the risk of runaway inflation. And that seems to be the big trade-off. And they've decided that inflation right now is more important than growth uh, because, you know, if we don't get inflation, you know, tamped down right now, we have bigger problems down the road. So I I think I want to go to break here, but I want to talk to you about just
1: that. If you don't tamper down inflation right now, what are the bigger problems down the road? Uh, I believe it's moral hazard. But we're going to go a quick break. The show's High Fire Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager. An absolute treat tonight. We have Miles Eiblock, chief investment uh, strategist uh, at uh, Dynamic Funds, a very, very smart man with lots of experience. And, you know, some, I think he's going to help all of us pay attention to what he has to say. Think longer term because short term, there's a lot of noise. Throw away the microscope. Let's keep the telescope on our desk at all times. Hi-Fi Radio, we'll get right back after this message. Stay tuned.
0: Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto.
1: to hold me tight when the world goes crazy. And, uh, well, when that doesn't work, we call smart people onto this radio show. Uh, an absolute delight and privilege uh, to have Mr. Miles Weiblock uh, on the show. He's with Dynamic Funds. used to work at one of the big Canadian banks along with Jack and I, uh, but he went into the land of freedom uh, working for Dynamic Funds. And, you know, again, the objective, friends and family, if you're, if you're looking to the fund world and have professional money management, uh, the name of the game is to buy great managers who buy great companies and hang on for decades. Not weeks, not months, decades. And you will see fruits of, of, of the efforts and labor uh, put into such an investment strategy. Uh, and the name of the game is not getting caught offside. Uh, <laughs> every now and then, well, we do get caught offside, and uh, I have a full basket of investments right now. I don't have any cash on my books. I'm long and trying to stay strong as they say on Bay street and wall street. Uh, but every now and then it feels like I'm fighting against the wind. Hence the song, right? Any mouse, not bad set up for you. So <laughs> that, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always preparing for the next career if need be. Um, <laughs> it, it really has felt that way this year, you know, for investors, you know, the, the Warren Buffets of the world, the turtle creeks of the world, you know, long only, uh, you know, three to five-year, 10-year viewpoint investors. It's been a tough year. Uh, I'm starting to see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I, you know, is some perhaps, uh, call it bear market rallies or perhaps uh, a turn in overall sentiment. What do you think? Where are we at in the cycle? Um, where do you – what's your guesstimate? And it's a guess I know you don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I think an educated guess is better than an uneducated one. What's your guess? When is the market going to print – the stock market – print its low – um and well what's your what's your call
2: for next year yeah so um wow this is this is out of my comfort zone for sure but uh you know when we look historically at and and let's let's all just put put it out there i mean we are in a bear market right we're we're in a bear a global equity bear market um and it's you know it's not the first it's not going to be the last this is part of you know being in the equity market um but when we looked historically and this is you know using only uh history as a guide and and it's never the same uh every time but the, the the couple sort of the couple of key things that stand out uh at the bottom of or near let's call it plus or plus or minus three months from the bottom of a bear market one is that the central bank's uh, around the world start to change their tune. So, you know, we're in a tightening cycle right now, which means that interest rates are rising. Uh, and if we see what everyone refers to as a pivot, meaning they're going to change from tightening to either going on hold or tightening uh, to, let's call it easing, uh, that would be pretty dramatic uh, at this stage. But uh, that is that is part A of the story of where we, we're likely to see uh, a more Foundational bottom in the market, uh, and the second thing uh, that has come with uh, most bottoms in bear markets is that the growth profile in the economy, uh, global economy, and, and the hence the, the the profile for for corporate earnings needs to bottom. And uh, again, sort of plus or three three plus or minus three months from bottom, you, you can never nail these bottoms. But that's sort of what you want to see to have a lot more confidence uh in uh building a bottom in 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 the market so uh a central bank pivot or a change in tone and uh and a bottom in the economic outlook and you know my sense here is that uh we're getting probably closer to a pivot uh and um the markets are already the fixed income markets are already starting to think that that perhaps could happen as early as the first quarter of 2023 um And, you know, we just don't have any signs yet that economic growth is bottoming. So I'd say you're still at a, you know, you've obviously had a a lot of valuation come back into the market in particular areas because prices have fallen. So things have gone, certain things have gone on sale. Uh, so, if you're a long term investor, you don't worry about timing it. You just, you know, you, you just start, you, you add money. I mean, you add money consistently to the market, as you suggested. Uh, but, um, you know, I would say that, you know, if you're a little more sensitive, it, we, we're still sort of in the risk zone. Um, but I'd say, you know, in the next quarter, two quarters, we're probably close to a bottom
1: um my, my my pivot person uh is my partner jack hartle he's been using that phrase and, and speaking about that uh, uh, violently for for months on end we need a fed pivot we need a fed pivot nothing's going to change till we get a fed pivot so jack let me throw it over to you such a great guest i, I know you got a lot of good questions for uh, miles please take it away yeah thanks open and, and thanks miles for joining us and you know what well that that uh, fed pivot that you're talking about has been
3: very elusive but uh the central bank spoke on Wednesday. Uh, the market went higher. And it was, I, I think, because the Fed uh, came out and said, you know, they didn't say what they're going to do at the next meeting, but they opened the window to maybe being a little less hawkish, meaning they're not going to be raising rates as aggressively. So is that something that you see in, in the cards, Milo, that maybe the, the rate of change for these uh, rate hikes that we've seen over the last uh, six months or so
2: uh, is going to start to ease a little bit? I, I, I'd hope so. Um, I really hope so because I mean, <laughs> if you look at the housing market uh, or, or some of the more interest-sensitive areas of, of both the U.S. and the Canadian economies, they're, they're under a lot of pressure right now. So, you know, I hope that the central banks realize that. Uh, I know they're stuck on these inflation numbers, which aren't going to, you know, they, they may take a little more time to turn. But a lot of the very interest-sensitive components of these economies are are, are weakening rather rapidly. So, um, uh, you know, I I I I guess, or I you know my Yeah, I guess that they have to start slowing down soon. I mean, you know, as I think uh, Wolfgang said earlier on, is that the the pace of increase right now really is the most rapid we've seen uh, out of these central banks since the early 1980s. And so this is it's not so much, again, the level of the interest rates right now. I mean, both, you know, the interest rates are still kind of low. Uh, they're two and a half percent in Canada, or two and a quarter, two and a half percent in the U.S. Somewhere in that zone, and and that's not really historically very high. It's just it's it's hard for the private sector to adjust, whether it's corporations or or, or households, to such a rapid change in these rates. And I think that's what's kind of got you know got us flat footed right here. And so I think I hope that they give us time to adjust even if they have to go a little higher and slow down these pace of rate increases. And like you said, you know, Chairman Powell did uh, from the Federal Reserve, he did open the door to slowing it down. I mean, he's not going to commit to that, obviously. And he said that, you know, it depends on the data coming in, the economic data coming in. But uh, that's really the first time I heard where he said, perhaps, uh, you know, we could slow the pace of, of rate increases down.
3: Yeah, the other thing that he really addressed, I think, is the fact that interest rates, which is, the I would say, the, the central bank's hammer that they deal with the economy, whether they're trying to um, you know slow it down or increase it, is the tool that they really have. And it's, it's a very blunt tool. Um, it takes time to filter through the economy. Well, it takes a lot of time, so, uh, especially uh, when when they've actually raised rates so much. So how long do you see... Um, it taking for uh, these rate hikes to truly filter through into the economy. And you mentioned some of the interest-sensitive sectors. And, you know, Canadians are exposed to housing, and they've got a lot of leverage on it, obviously. Um, Is is that a big risk that you see for, I'm going
2: to say, the the financial sector in in Canada, especially the the big five banks? It it is. Um, So, you know, when when you look uh, at the past, it takes about a full 12 uh, up to 18 months for, let's call it this week's fed funds uh rate increase or that the u.s increase it takes about 12 to 18 months for that to see its full effects filter through to the economy filter through the economy so you know what we're seeing today doesn't necessarily mean the full full impact is it happens today it might you know it, it takes time for these changes to filter through so um yes i i would say that in canada as you rightly say uh canada has uh, it's it's standing with a, a bit of a different issue than the U.S. I mean, Canadian household balance sheets are are highly leveraged. There's a lot of debt on our balance sheets. Uh, and that's perhaps a function of past central bank behavior, where interest rates were so low for so long, we felt that, you know, borrowing was free. And so we we piled on the debt. And now, you know, now those serv- debt servicing costs are, are going up. And uh, we are uh, as as a country in Canada, uh, more vulnerable to these to this let's call it a rate shock an interest rate shock than perhaps the U S is at this stage. I mean the U S their trouble happened you know uh, in two thousand six two thousand seven where their households were highly leveraged and those interest rate increases did hurt. Uh, now it's Canada's turn and and hopefully you know the central bank does. Uh, is mindful i'm sure they are but uh hopefully they don't make a mistake and you know give us that last 50 or 75 basis point increase in the policy rate that sort of sends us off the off the edge so um yeah there 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 are, i think there are more inherent or more structural risks in the Canadian economy given given you know uh where households are sitting today so um it, it is it is something that you know the banks are, are the banks in Canada are highly exposed to i mean they've got large mortgage books and uh you know if uh households are are having trouble paying their mortgages, that, that could lead to a, a larger problem.
1: Well, the idea is that the rate rate change is, is again not necessarily immediate. Uh, so many Canadians have three to five year terms on their mortgages left. So the rate hike that we have witnessed so far this year will not affect them yet unless they have a variable rate mortgage, which, lucky me, I do. And guess what? I've strapped on so much debt in the last two years, more than I've had in my entire life. I was a debt-free man. But, uh, well, when you get into your late 50s, you decide to take on some debt, like um, an intelligent individual. Not. (laughs) But remarkable. I I have noticed the difference immediately, Miles. Uh, So much so that I, uh, you know, took some cash out of the bank and paid down some of my mortgage, which that money is now, you know, not going to be put to work in the economy. Uh, Are you noticing firsthand uh, anecdotally speaking, a slowing of the economy? Or do you think the economy continues to run at such a strong pace? Anecdotally speaking, Miles.
2: Anecdotally. So, um, uh, my, 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 you know, uh, my son, uh, we're playing baseball this summer with my son. And, and you know, a lot of the conversations uh, in the stands among parents are, uh, the fact that they, they do feel squeezed, uh, very squeezed by gasoline prices and by food prices. And, you know, that has changed people's spending patterns and behaviors. And, and, and you know, again, that's anecdotally, as you say. And, and, and I, I, yes, we talk about that almost, almost every baseball game or every baseball practice. So it's, it's having an effect. Um, you know interest rates themselves. So you have to think. You know I'm spending more uh, at the gas station, more at the grocery store, and now you know my my mortgage payments uh, have have turned up a little bit. So you know that's that's taking a lot of discretionary income away from uh, Canadian households, and you know they're not going to uh, buy other things that they might have otherwise. So yeah, anecdotally for sure uh, we're seeing it. Not so much in the Canadian data yet, outside of you know housing activity indicators that are slowing uh, pretty. Pretty fast, but uh, but that's you know the anecdotes are starting to build for sure. Yeah, I no, it's incredible. That. That. No, so go ahead, Jack. I just add to that the, the fact of consumer psychology and
3: the role that plays in our economy. So down in the U.S., I'm going to say they're six months ahead of us, just with the, you know the reopening that they had after COVID and the like. Um, and you're seeing it down there, and I expect the same to, to move up here. But the, the fact that Consumer psychology, as as negative as it is right now, becomes
1: a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy for the economy and the the effects of a slowdown. Well, well I my think friends, I, I, I'm am a bit of a foodie, and we have to take a quick break. I need a snack myself. But what frustrates me more, and if you're in the food industry, do not cut back on portions. I notice consumers notice, and don't cut back on quality, specifically the pro, the protein charge me more but don't cut back because that diminishes the experience which will diminish the frequency i come back to the establishment uh is that right when they try to cut corners they want to they want to raise prices miles, they want to cut back on what they give you stop it enough for the halloween candy that's where that's where you learn the trick don't pass it on 12 months a year you know what i'm saying hi-fi mm-hmm. radio we're talking money here we've got miles eye block he's a chief investment strategist with dynamic funds very very smart man uh very educational session that we're bringing to you this evening uh spend time with us it'll help you have more wealth i promise going to take a quick break get right back to miles jack hartle and wolfgang klein right after this
0: don't go anywhere there's more hi-fi radio in a moment on 640 toronto Oh baby, baby, it's a wild word. I'll always remember you like a child
1: girl. Welcome back my friend. So is Hi Fry Radio in the world of investing, in the world of the stock market. Bond market as well. If you buy quality, if you have a basket of stocks, you cannot lose. Everything, so long as it's fully paid for, All right, Jack? Well, what are the key enemies or the key causes of financial failure? There's a lot of them. Give me a couple, key. You know, I'm, I'm leading you down the path. Sure, here. I'll
3: give you two. Wolf, so I'll give, you, I'll give you two common ones that people make, especially uh, amateur retail investors. Uh, concentration uh, kills investments, and also leverage. Concentration and leverage. And the reason it kills, Wolf, is that can actually take you out of the game, and it gets rid of the magic of compounding in time.
1: It does indeed. I'm just thinking crypto, a uh, little mean stock, a little leverage. Oh, boy. Hey, we just went through it. We just went through, it. I guess, Generation Z, Miles Zyblock, our chief investment strategist for the next, uh, say, half an hour, lucky us, yes, uh, with dynamic funds. Real pleasure to have you back on the show. Um, what do you make of the uh, little bear market, the uh, Generation Z, uh, the mean traders, the uh, Wall Street
2: betters? How are you making out there? What do you think of that, Myles? Uh, you
1: know, you're you know, that- after the fact
2: yeah so uh, i mean that again we've seen that sort of thing uh before if if you guys i mean again i'm sure i'm probably showing my age a little bit here but uh back in late 1999 we had a similar sort of thing uh develop uh, in global equity markets where uh it was at that time it was the dot-com sort of bubble where you know companies with really no fundamentals but uh, a, a, sort of a, an exciting story attached to their names uh, were just bid up uh, to astronomical levels, and a lot of people got involved in, in that because you know it seemed like it was uh, quick money, easy money. And you know, I, I personally know I was not in Canada at the time; I was working uh, in the U.S. But uh, a couple of friends of mine, uh, and this is an actual real story now, a couple of friends of mine had taken some equity out of their their homes to buy. If anyone remembers, Nortel uh and and you know that's that's the kind of that's the kind of thing you just don't don't want to see and you know again with 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 the meme stocks and all that sort of thing we, we had it again uh you know this this cycle uh and and you know we've seen it uh, in smaller versions uh, in, in in prior years whether it was the cannabis stocks in 2017 2018 that you know crypto is kind of here for a while then gone that's kind of going on but you know when you think about you know what what might uh be part of this and and you go back into your history books it you know we, we've just experienced uh, or been coming out of let's call it close to 30 years of of very very low interest rates or free money right and you know free money and and, and the the risk of of that money staying effectively free uh, or, or, or going up, the, the risk of the cost of funds going up was, was very low, so people thought, well, you know, it, money's going to be free, it's staying free, and it's going to be free for a long time, and so what happens when you have this sort of free money condition or very, very extremely low interest rates is, is that you get misallocations of resources, whether it's, huh. you know, the the meme stocks, uh, you know, and, you know, these fundamentally broken companies going going crazy, a lot of them, or uh, you know, companies themselves who are staying alive, that, which we call in the industry zombie companies, they're, they're, they're staying alive only because, you know, their borrowing costs are so low, so they're effectively on this endless life support. You, you do see a misallocation of resources, and, and I think that, you know, the meme stocks, like we, I said, we, we've seen it in the past, and, and again – the next time interest rates get very low, we'll probably see it again. <laughs> yeah, in the world of speculation, Jack, you,
1: you, you pipe in I know you can, you can add to this conversation. Uh, you, you frequently speak about misallocation of funds and what happens uh, when uh, free money gets into the wrong hands and who the wrong hands are.
2: Yeah, it's, it's been – again, it's been a repetitive theme in, in the history of, of financial markets, and, and the, the last couple of years is no different. Jack? It gets
3: back to the investor psychology, you know, whether it's a, a meme stock or, or crypto, and even professional investors uh, get caught up in it too, right? You know, fear of missing out. I'm missing out on the next big thing, whether it's crypto, whether it's cannabis. It's always a new theme, uh, but the fact is that the you know the, the markets really don't change. It's just the individuals, that as Miles referenced there, whether it's you know the day traders in the '90s of tech stocks or the meme stocks in the 2020. Um, when you take away that liquidity. Uh, you get to really see who is, you know, maybe swimming uh, swimming without a bathing suit. But the the question that I would have to Miles is, you know, interest rates have gone higher. Inflation is expected to go lower from exceptionally high levels, call it nine percent, uh, the highest in the last forty years. Do you see the next ten years uh, as a higher interest rate environment where we're at maybe three to four percent, as opposed to two to three that we've experienced with the the last ten years?
2: It does seem to be setting up that way. I'm not saying you know we're going back to anything that resembles the 1970s, um, but you know when you have, you, there there are changes that have happened, particularly after COVID, that may keep uh, inflation a little more elevated than it otherwise would, and and part of that could be you know higher costs associated with companies onshoring, reshoring, nearshoring. Uh, which is probably good for long-term resilience for these companies. So they're not so dependent on on external supply chains. But, you know, that's going to raise the cost structure. I think also that, you know, labor itself or employees are demanding uh, a little bit more flexible work arrangements, and that could add to some of the corporate costs. So, you know, there are things to say that perhaps, uh, we are exiting that very low period of interest rates and, and, and inflation. But again, I don't think you should all of a sudden extrapolate that to the 1970s. I, I don't think that is is a likely scenario. The show, my friends, is Hi-Fi
1: Radio each and every Saturday night right here on 640 Toronto, 7 to 8 p.m. Come heck or high water, Jack and I make it to the studios, virtual or not. Uh, to spend some time with you to help you have more wealth. Miles Iblock, uh, uh, Chief Investment Strategist at Dynamics, spending the entire show with us this weekend, an absolute delight for both you and I. I get to do my work. This is like just perfect. Uh, indeed, it is. We're going to take a quick break get right back with Miles, talk a little bit more about inflation and the rate of change. More importantly, what this means to you and the setup for investors, not speculators. Stay tuned.
0: Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more hi fi radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back, my friends. It is a show about money. Um, you know, getting old sort of sucks, but it's not all bad. Uh, and I'll tell you, as you get older, you 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 mark time. Uh, and so I'm referring now, of course, to being an investor. Uh, as you get older, you mark time. You now have some experience in the markets, and there is, in fact a curve call, or a graph called the happiness curve. Miles, I want to share this with you as well. I spoke about it last week, but it's worth uh, repeating. And so it, it basically plots age um, and, and, and happiness. Uh, so on the uh, Y-axis, they're the ones that go up and down, my friend. We have um, happiness. And on the X-axis, they go across the bottom, the horizontal left and right. Uh, we have uh, uh, time, age. And so basically, as we get older... Uh, sorry, when we're 16, we have, we have a degree of happiness. As we get to 20, we actually lose a bit of happiness. 25, you lose a bit of happiness. And by the time you're 50, you sort of like grump out, and then you pivot, and then you seem to get happier. 60, you're actually happier than, than you were when you were 50. Apparently, when you're 70, you're happier than when you were 60. When you're 80, you're actually quite jolly, apparently. And this has been looked at in both emerging markets, um, developed markets, um, around the world and it's the same chart so it's incredible because the clients that jack and i get the most nervous calls from tend to be the people on the left side of that scale the happiness curve by the way looks like a smile that's why it's called a happiness curve so if you plot it and draw it it looks like a smile right like a a, a semi a circle and so getting old has benefits you become a better investor and i guess the cliche uh, miles I'll set it up from here, is I've seen this movie before. Always a little different, but it sort of has a happy
2: ending. Correct me if I'm wrong, Miles. Well, I think it has a happy ending if you uh, if you uh, are if you learn through time that, you know, being a longer term investor is is probably the way to go. Right. Um, You know, if if you're still caught up in the in sort of the day trading every little every little bump, uh, I think those people end up being unhappy. I mean, the, the one thing I think with age that I've. You know, that's changed for me. uh, Agent experience is that I've I've understood things that I can control or that are in my control, and things that are out of my control. I don't have any control on the daily moves in the stock market. I've I've accepted that, and and but what I do have is I have it con- you know, I have control over the exposure to the stock market. So the point being is that I understand what I'm getting into when it's stock market investing. It's, you know, stocks are volatile in the short term, but as the horizon stretches for an investor, the odds of success increase greatly. So, you know, to me, investing has always been more, or as always, it's as I've learned, it's, it's become more of a marathon than a sprint. It's a marathon. So yes. what well,
1: we have to do is control, control our emotions. And the irony, Miles, uh, Miles, again, I saw another chart that I put in my last client's slide deck that Jack and I host every month, uh, privileged clients uh, get to tune in, and get our viewpoints as well, um, is that I, over the long haul, the risk of holding cash increases and the risk of holding stock decreases and the risk of holding bonds over the long term increases. So long term, your risky assets are not stocks. They're your least risky. The risky assets long-term are bonds and cash. I ask you at home, friends, are you going to be here for the long haul? You know, no one knows when the good Lord is going to take us, but what's your sense about how long you're going to be on this planet? And if you're talking a few decades, get out of cash and bonds and buy stock. When you do that, what day of the week does it matter, Miles? Does it matter if you do it today or if you do it in November before the uh, presidential cycle or the setup of you know the, the four-year cycle next year? You you said the four-year cycle as well. The presidential cycle tells us next year could be a very good year in the market. I'm not ruling that out.
2: Right. So so uh, you know you you hit the, you've through through this show so far you've hit uh, a couple of important points. Maybe I could summarize my thoughts on them. So one is you know when you're thinking about investing, I think. Diversification is critical, uh, you know, across asset classes, across geographies. I mean, you're a little more focused on stocks, but I don't think everyone has that same sort of view. But look, the whole point is diversification, even if you're in stocks across different types of stocks. The one thing that I found, you know, is that. When you concentrate too much, uh, you know it looks good. The, the, the hindsight investor always says, "Oh, I should have bought more of this, or I should have had more of that, or whatever." Right? But, but ultimately, and, and you hear about the couple guys who invested in this company or that company, and 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 now they're they're rich and they're you know they're living in the Bahamas or whatever they're doing. But, but you don't hear about all those people who have failed because of concentration and concentration. You know, I've never known anybody personally. I've never known anybody who has ended up in financial ruin because of diversification. I have known people who've ended up in ruin because of concentration. So diversification is key. Invest early, as early as you can. Start putting some money into this market. Invest regularly, right? Like So like you say – whether it's, you know, presidential election, this, that day of the week, doesn't just take a regular schedule and consistently put, you know, the money that you can, can afford, put it, save it, put it, invest it in the stock market. And again, you know, the, the, the final thought is, is and, and you, you nailed this, is it, it really is a long-term perspective uh, that, that, that matters. You know, when you stretch your horizon, the odds of success increase. So I don't think since 1870, when I looked at the data for the U.S. stock market, I don't think there's been a 20-year period. Where people haven't made money. So the the point being is that you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty years is is what you got to really be thinking about when you're an investor, not five weeks or, you know, five months. It's 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 the long term. So I think some of those principles uh, really help a- and make people in, uh, better investors, and I think it helps them reach their their long term financial goals.
1: Yeah, the irony is it's all rational, logical stuff. But when you throw human emotions into that equation, they, 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 their eyes often glaze over. They get emotionally driven. And, and, and they really get off. Uh, they, they go on tilt. How's that? The pinball players out there, you know, get an old man and play the song. I can talk pinball. They, they, they go on tilt. They, and, and a week later, two weeks later, I say, you know, honestly, I apologize, Wolf. You know, I was highly irrational. It doesn't happen to me too often. But what money can do to one's emotions is. is, is, is dangerous it can be absolutely dangerous if you allow it to be And i go back to the importance of having key partners who are competent and caring about you uh, if you have a key partner, if you have someone you can call if you're about to do the wrong thing at the wrong time and you know p- listen to some logical uh, dialogue uh, between current means current needs and, and long-term goals in other words make sure you have a sum of money and if you need five six percent of it a year you still have 90 percent left 95 percent left Next, you take 5 or 10%. You still get 90%. My point is you you can always keep the bulk of your money invested because, for the most part, you shouldn't need the bulk of your money tomorrow. And if you do, it shouldn't be invested. It should be the bank. So just try to think in those terms. It may help you out a lot. Miles, my friend, I cannot thank you enough incredible uh, evening uh, to – spend with you. Miles Zyblock, Chief Investment Strategist at Dynamic Funds. Uh, have yourself a safe weekend. Remain optimistic, my friend, and you are very Thank you and very, hard. very
2: much. It, it was a great time uh, being on the show.
1: Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's great having you. Jack, as always, my partner, great job setting yeah. up. You're a good producer. I always knew you'd want to become a radio producer, and well, you're shining at it, buddy. Have a good weekend. Friends at home, Wolfgang Klein. Any questions for Jack or I? WolfgangKlein.com uh, Each and every Saturday, Hi-Fi Radio. Tell your friends. It's show about money. We want you to have more of it. All the best.